Welcome to part two of an important forum series from Holy Communion. In the first part, our parishioner Denise Carpenter talked about caring for a loved one at home. In this segment, she talks about how to choose a nursing facility and prepare your loved one in the St. Louis region. Hello, welcome to Holy Communion. My name is Denise Carpenter, and in this presentation, I'm going to discuss how you can arrange a nursing home placement for someone, should you ever need to do so. We never know what the future brings, and it is likely that many of us will need to do this at some point in our futures. The decision to place someone in a nursing home is a very difficult decision. And there are a lot of things that have to go into making that decision. The primary consideration should always be what is best for the person that needs the care. It's sometimes not easy to stay focused on that because there are other considerations that are very valid. And in particular, I think the family that may have been providing the care up till now has to think seriously about their own needs and maybe in some cases place that ahead of their concern for the patient. But ultimately, the decision should not be a disaster for the patient. The family has to consider honestly whether they are able to provide the care. In order to provide the care, for one thing, the person cannot need 24-hour care unless there is more than one person to cooperate in providing it. It is physically impossible for one person to provide 24-hour care. It cannot be done. Secondly, someone who is fairly consistently in the home needs to be able to roll the person over. If you cannot roll the person over, you cannot care for them at home. Even to transfer the person out of bed with a mechanical lift, you have to be able to roll the person over. Placing a person in a nursing home almost always leads to some very powerful emotions. And guilt and grief are two emotions that people placing someone in a nursing home almost always have to deal with. As far as the guilt goes, remember, the guilt that comes from placing someone in a nursing home is a very primitive form of guilt. It is not rational and it is not amenable to reason. You cannot make it go away by simply explaining to yourself why you're making the right decision. It is akin to survivor guilt. You probably are aware of that type of guilt when a person survives a, some type of disaster and they feel guilty because they survived while others died. 
if it is a parent you are placing, be aware that our parents give us life. And that is something we can never repay, but we keep trying. Do not try to repay it by not placing a person in a nursing home when that is the best choice for that person and for the family. That's a bad way to try to repay. You're not helping that person at all. Sometimes other family members, whether they live locally and just haven't been that involved in the person's care, or whether they live a distance away and aren't really aware of how the patient is now doing, they get involved and think that they know better than you do whether the person needs to go into a nursing home. When this happens, it can be very painful and that also leads to very difficult feelings. A lot of times people that haven't been through it will say, well, then you just tell that family member they need to take care of the person. Sometimes it's just not that easy. Family relationships are always complicated. Remember that your goal is to do what is best for that patient and for the people that have been caring for that patient. People not directly involved do not have a say. The next thing you have to think about is how you're going to pay for it. Many people assume that Medicare will pay for a nursing home stay, and that is not usually the case. Medicare only covers what Medicare defines as skilled care and generally only for a short period of time. In order to qualify for a skilled stay under Medicare, you have to have been in the hospital, admitted to the hospital, not under observation, for three nights, for three midnights. Once you have done that, then many people need to go to a skilled nursing facility for a short time because they've gotten weak while they're in the hospital, despite the best efforts of the hospital staff to avoid that. And while they are in the facility, they can receive physical and occupational therapy. Stays for those reasons usually last for only a few weeks. If the person needs to stay in a nursing home after that, they will need to change their means of payment and they may even need to move to a different facility. Another reason a person might need to go is if they were receiving IVs in the hospital, perhaps IV antibiotics or IVs for whatever reason, and those IVs need to continue and there's really nothing else that the hospital needs to do for the person. So they can go to a skilled nursing facility and receive their IVs there. Another reason, if they have a G-tube, a, a feeding tube in their stomach, or a very deep pressure ulcer, which you may be familiar with 
as a bed sore, if it's very deep, then they may qualify to go to a skilled nursing facility to have that treated. Those are pretty much, there may be some other rare situations, but for the most part, these are the only reasons that Medicare covers nursing home stays. The maximum that Medicare will cover is 180 days out of a year. However, few people actually need skilled care for that long. And the facility will keep you informed how the person is moving along through that time. Medicaid. Medicaid is a very different program than Medicare. And sometimes they have such similar names that sometimes people get them mixed up. Medicaid is only available when a person has depleted their assets. In Missouri, they need to have less than $1,000 in savings. The home and furniture that's in use is exempt. A car that is registered and used and kept licensed up to date, that is also exempt. The most common reason that a person is turned down for Medicaid when they thought they would qualify is life insurance. The person can have up to $2,500 cash value in a life insurance policy. If it's more than $2,500, then whatever's over that is considered part of that $1,000 of savings. So what do you do if that's what you have? Most people that have that kind of insurance and term insurance does not interfere with Medicaid. Most people are mainly looking at covering a cremation, burial, that kind of thing, funeral expenses. So if you, if the patient has a life insurance policy with a cash value over $2,500, I recommend going to the funeral home of your choice and getting an irrevocable prepaid burial. Funeral homes encounter this all the time, so they will understand what you're doing and help you through it. Any other money that is left over after you get the prepaid burial would go into that $1,000 maximum. Now, if a person's getting their social security check and right over, right after that check arrives, their account is over $1,000, but it quickly goes down as soon as they pay their bills, that's okay. They can figure that out. The private pay cost in a nursing home is in this area is typically about two or $300 a day. And interestingly, I had made these slides some years ago. And so I checked to see if the average rate had gone up and I learned that it really had not, which is kind of interesting. Apparently there's not been too much inflation in terms of the cost of nursing home care in this area. Be aware that in some other areas, it will cost more.
It used to be that in order to place someone in a nursing home, and often it was a wife having to place a husband in a nursing home, and it would take all of the money that both of them had because everything was held jointly. And then it would leave the wife completely impoverished. This was bad social policy, and they finally figured that out, and they did something about it. So now there are spousal impoverishment provisions. These are mandated at the federal level. And the way it works is that up to a certain amount of assets, and I believe that right now it's in the neighborhood of 125,000, but it goes up every year. So suppose the, per the couple has assets of about $125,000, then they need to go, the patient needs to enter a Medicaid certified bed. And then as after they enter that Medicaid certified bed, and if they go direct from the hospital, the hospital's also considered a Medicaid certified bed. As of the date they entered that bed, the Division of Family Support will do a division of assets. So if there's $125, about $65,000, $67,000 is going to be considered to belong to the person that has entered the facility. And that amount of money will need to be used and then that person will qualify for Medicaid while the community spouse gets to keep the other 65,000. Should the person, should the couple have more than $125,000, say they have 130,000, well, that extra 5,000 gets added to the amount that is assigned to the person in the facility. So regardless, the, the community spouse is only get, going to get to keep half of that $125,000. If the spouse entering the facility has a much larger income, that income would normally go to the facility and the rest would be covered by Medicaid. If the community spouse, however, has only a very small income, some of that income of the spouse in the facility can be assigned to the community spouse. And I know this is kind of complicated, but it is an excellent facility, excellent provision. And facilities understand this and they will be glad that someone is entering a Medicaid bed who in fact will be private pay for a while. So do not let the community spouse be impoverished, take advantage of this provision. Be aware also that in St. Louis City, most facilities that have Medicaid beds, they are all Medicaid certified. 
However, in St. Louis County, it's very common for a facility to have mostly private pay beds or state licensed only as we call them, and only a few Medicaid or Medicare beds. And in that case, they may not have a Medicaid bed available, but if they do, they will want to give it to someone that will be getting a division of assets, they'll be happy to. So consult them. Now, you have to look into these places and see which one is going to meet the person's needs. I have listed here two websites that are very important. Medicare.gov has a record for every skilled nursing facility that has any Medicare or Medicaid beds available at all. Not only for here, but all around the country. So this will help you if the person you want to place is in some other state, say they're in Nebraska, you can actually look at facilities in Nebraska and find out quite a bit about them before you have to actually go and visit. So you have cut down the number of places that you need to check out the amount of work you have to do when you actually get there. On this Medicare website, you can find the statement of deficiencies from the facility's most recent uh, state survey. And in Missouri, the average number of facilities is excuse me, deficiencies is about seven or eight. So if you see that the place has about seven or eight deficiencies, it's probably pretty average. If it has fewer, that's good. If it has a, a lot like 30, then maybe that's not the place you wanna choose. However, read that statement because not everything on there is going to be applicable to the person that you're planning to place and you know what is most important to you and that person. The surveyors are just writing down what they say. Contrary to what many people believe, about 95% of the regulations are common sense. And the surveyors make every effort to write up that 95% of deficiencies in terms that members of the public can understand if they are reading that statement and trying to choose a facility. So take advantage of that information. It's available right there. The other, the other website I have listed is the state website where you can find information on facilities. And that will contain any state regulations that the facility may have broken. And generally when they break federal regulations, they also break state regulations. So you can find out all of that. Be aware when you go to the Medicare website, you're going to look down the page until it says something like find skilled nursing facilities. Click on that and I think you will find the search engine very easy to use after that.
So most of the time you would want to visit the facility and use all of your senses. However, right now, because of the pandemic, that may not be possible. So you're going to be depending on what you read in that statement of deficiencies more than, more than you would ideally need to. That's unfortunate, but it's the situation that we are in. I hope that soon nursing home residents and staff will be vaccinated and then people will be able to visit again. Nursing home residents are considered high priority people to get vaccinated. So I hope that that will take place soon. And if you need a specialized unit for this person, ask about it. Some facilities have dementia units, some don't. And the criteria for being in those dementia units varies. So ask as many questions as you need to ask in order to find out if this facility has what this patient needs. Some facilities also have units for people with psychiatric needs. So if that is relevant, ask. There's a lot of work to do. I have always worked in a field where nursing home placements were common. And even so, when it came to the point that I needed to place my own father in a nursing home, I discovered that it was harder, both emotionally and in the number of details to be addressed than I would ever have dreamed. So be aware that it's difficult. Some of the things that you need to deal with are powers of attorney. I hope that you would have this already. Every adult should have durable powers of attorney for both healthcare and for finances. And if you don't have that or the person you're concerned about doesn't have that, it's something to take care of right away, not wait until a nursing home placement is needed. If the person maybe has some dementia but realizes that they have property and they know who they want to manage it and they know who they want to make healthcare decisions for them if they're not able to do so, they can still make a power of attorney. You need to consult an attorney if you have any doubts or questions about this process. There are change of address forms that have to be filled out and ideally just one. And these days you can even do it online. So the mail will now need to go either to the facility or to you if the person's not been living with you. And it's probably easier to have it go to the facility so long as the facility has the policy of forwarding business mail to you. If it goes to the resident, it's often very upsetting to them. And depending on whether they have dementia or something, they may not even be able to understand it. So 
it's you need to work that out with the facility as to where the mail should go. You will have to choose a physician. The facility will have a medical director and they may have two or three other doctors that go there. The other doctors may or may not be taking new patients just as if you were trying to find a new doctor in the community. But you can contact them, see how fast they are to call you back and make your choice. You do not have to choose the medical director as long as one of the other doctors is able to take the person. The other thing is that if you choose, you can take the person out to the doctor, maybe the one that's been seeing them for a while, if that person is willing to follow and be aware that at some point that probably is not going to work or be in the person's best interests anymore. So think about what doctor you're going to choose. Then you're going to have to deal with clothing. Ideally, the person should continue to wear the type of clothing that they have preferred earlier in their lifetime. Do not let the facility tell you that they need to wear sweat clothes if they've never worn sweat clothes before. The facility staff do have a legitimate concern about how easy this clothing is going to be to get on and off of the person. And some people with dementia have a tendency to try to take their clothes off. So there may be a concern about how easy it is to get off too. Appropriate clothing is a matter of dignity and respect for the resident. So it is important. I highly recommend a company called Buck and Buck. I think it's B-U-C-K-N, B-U-C-K, or it may be really and on their website. They provide clothing that is not cheap and it's not cheap. It is good quality clothing and it is built to last in the type of laundry equipment that's very hard on clothing that facilities have. They have to wash things to get as much of the bacteria or viruses that may be around in the facility or that may, the resident could be sick and get that onto their clothing. They really have to clean well. So it's not gentle on clothes. You will also have to label the clothing and consult the facility staff about what to put on. Some want a room number, some don't, some say first initial, others want the whole first name in addition to the last name. So consult the facility about what to do. When the resident moves into the facility, there will be a stack of papers to sign. I think there must be at least 50. They will explain them to you. They're not interested in deceiving you. If you have any questions, then ask. And then you should be getting a copy of at least many of them to take home. And when you get home, 
look at them carefully and understand what the residents' obligations and rights are and what your obligations and rights are. It's very important. When the resident moves in, try to meet some of the staff. You should at least be able to meet the charge nurse who is on duty at that time. That person may not be the primary charge nurse that covers that unit most of the time, and the charge nurse should be able to tell you that. However, they are the person that's there then, and you should meet them. At a later time, you can see about meeting the director of nursing, and if the primary charge nurse for that unit was not there, you can try to meet them. It's good to meet these people face-to-face. -face. You'll be talking to them on the phone a lot, but I always feel better talking to someone on the phone that I've met face-to-face. -face. So meeting is good, and the director of nursing should want to meet you. That person may not be able to spend a whole lot of time with you, and they cannot be available round the clock seven days a week or even on weekdays in business hours all the time. But eventually you should be able to meet the director of nursing. That's a very important person in the facility and I highly recommend making that person's acquaintance. That concludes my presentation for today and thank you.